Blue, 42, hut, hut, hike. This is the Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. I am Nick Norris, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Knight. Uh, good morning, man. How's it going? Uh, it is going great, Justin. Happy Valentine's Day and Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, yeah. And one action there, huh? Who are you loving more this Super Bowl Valentine's Day? Joe Burrow and the Bengals or Matt Stafford and the Rams? You know... Um, I think I'm going to jump on the Joe Burrow bandwagon mm. just because, I don't know, um, I think it'd be pretty neat to see him win in his second year. But also, you know, I think it'd be pretty cool to see Stafford win it with the Rams since, you know, he struggled. What is it? He was with the Lions for what, 11 seasons, something like that. I mean, he's he was there for a long time. And when you're with the Lions, you're used to losing. So, you know, I'd, I wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings either if he won it as well. So, you know, either way, I think I'm a happy guy today. Mm, well, I want to see Stafford win it, but like you said, I don't really care either. I'll be happy for either of them. Uh, but for new listeners, thank you for tuning in to The Game Managers, the only sports show in the United States. There's literally not a single other sports show in the U.S., is there, Justin? That's true. So, now, this is the only one in the, <laughs> actually in the whole world. There's no, so, there's no other yeah, sports show in the rest of the world. We bought the rights. Yeah, we, we patented it. Apparently, no one else had done that. So uh, ESPN? They, they no longer exist. It's just us. So if you want to hear sports, just look up, look us up. Don't Google anything else. Just trust us. We're, we're telling you the truth. <laughs> we're the only ones. Tonight we're going to talk about Alabama and Auburn basketball, Brian Harson's frustrating week, a good amount of NFL news, and we'll be talking with former Thai DB and Super Bowl champion Anthony Madison in a bit to share his experiences and memories from the two Super Bowls he played in. First, though, Justin, we have to get into this week's news. Mm, okay. Uh, let's start out with Aaron Rodgers. He won his second straight and fourth overall NFL MVP. When did he become the oilest man in the world, though? Because something broke in him over the past year, and he hasn't washed his hair since. Yeah, I don't know what's that about, because he almost looks a little homeless. I mean, he's he looked like it's just a random guy that walked onto the stage and accepted an award last night. I mean, nice I don't suit. Know what the, but, yeah, he looked great you know, in the suit, but the... From the head up, not so much. I don't know what the heck he's going on with that. I think he, he looks, needs to go ahead and cut it since they lost. He looks like he, he wakes up and just sprays WD-40 on his walking Phoenix Joker here every morning. That's what it looks <laughs> he like. Probably, yeah, he probably, does, he probably doesn't even do that. He probably just wakes up, brushes a little bit, and that's it. <laughs> well, good on him anyway. Uh, the Dolphins have hired former 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel as their head coach. Uh, I don't know how well he's going to do, but he's going to give some uh, very entertaining and probably awkward press conferences, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, the Texans found their head coach as well, Lovey Smith, who was the Texans' associate coach and defensive coordinator last season, and likewise, the Saints promoted defensive coordinator Dennis Allen as their new head coach. So the coaching search is, is coming to an end here, it seems. Saints running back Alvin Kamara allegedly beat a dude nearly to death last week before mm -hmm. the Pro Bowl. He could get up to five years in prison. Uh, not great, is it? I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, it's always, you know, you go play in the Pro Bowl, then you go out, and then you just go beat on a guy. That's always nice, huh? <laughs> and I don't even know what it was about. From what I read, it was 
there was kind of arguments at the elevator, and then uh, Kamara shoved him, and then he punched him a few times, and then his his uh, little guys he had lift with him too, they went and started kicking and hitting on him too, and there I think you sent me a picture of him. The dude was bloodied and beat up, so you know pretty coward move just to go and do that. You know, especially it just doesn't make any sense what these guys are thinking half the time. And we don't know the full story. He may have said the worst thing in the world to him. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, maybe maybe just don't do that, though. <laughs> I mean, don't. why are you going to put yourself in that position? Because now, you know, who knows what his future looks like. It's not looking good. Yeah, and, and it'll probably get settled out of court. But yeah, if it doesn't, then that's not great, is it? Anyway. Yeah, I mean, uh, that guy's probably going to be like, look, just give me some millions, and we'll sweep this under the rug. That's all yeah. I need. <laughs> Well, the biggest news of the week, after a week of drama and speculation and rumors and investigation, that rhymed, I didn't even mean it to, Auburn has announced they are retaining Brian Harson as their head football coach. I guess they couldn't get any concrete dirt on him to fire him huh. uh, for cause and decided they couldn't pay the $18 million. So what, what did they think was going to happen, though? Why did, why did they even start this up? Did they, I guess they thought they could find something? I, I think what they hoped, too, is that a lot of the fans would get behind it as well, and that completely backfired because you had a lot of, um, that were like, "This is you know a whole load of crap." We support Harson. We're going to stand behind him and stay the head coach. And so that didn't work, and you know, like we've said before, the boost beginning haven't they didn't want him as a head coach. The, I mean, the the guy they wanted was Steele. That didn't happen, and so they ended up getting Harson. Um, they haven't wanted. You know, wanting him from the beginning, and you know, I think, you know, blowing some late leads, uh, losing, what we lose five in a row at the end of the season, um, and then of course, you know, no signees on National Signing Day. I think they were just like, oh, great, you know, I think we need to go ahead and find something. Let's throw some dirt in his face, see if we can get something to stick, and then maybe we can get rid of him. But none of it happened. Look. There's going to be rumors about any coach about, you know, or players that are not happy uh, with the head coach, but there's a lot of guys that defended him. I think he's going to be a good coach, um, but he's on a very short leash. If he has the same season that he did this past season, he's gone. I mean, you can go ahead and say that last game, he's gone. They I, am interested in, uh, I am interested in knowing what the record's going to have to be for them to keep him because this isn't over they they're the people who are oh, upset no. with him are still upset with him they're still going to try to get rid of him probably at the end of the next year so what does he have to do to not get fired i don't know i feel like i don't know because you would think eight wins would be pretty solid especially with everything that has happened if he somehow got eight wins i think that's a pretty big success um but look i I like that the guy stood his ground. He didn't back down. You know, there's probably a lot of other guys that would have been like, God, you know, what the heck, I'll just go ahead and leave. But, you know, he wants to be the head coach of Auburn, it seems like. You know, he was at the basketball game yesterday, and everybody was really happy to see him. So, um, but, yeah, I think if it's seven or seven, six or seven wins, he's gone for sure. I think he's got to get to at least eight. Well, Auburn's basketball winning streak finally came to an end this week when visiting Arkansas on Tuesday, losing 80-76 to in overtime. But the Tigers bounced back with a win at home over Texas A&M on Saturday. Walker Kessler had a triple-double, 12 blocks, 12 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, do you think this may have been somewhat of a wake-up call that maybe uh, will end up being a positive for this Auburn team? 
Oh, yeah. Um, it's always good to have a loss, especially when you're on a, a long winning streak like they were because they had won 19 games in a row. Um, and we had discussed it before. I had told you I thought that was going to be our first conference loss because Arkansas had been playing well. It was on the road. Um, Ar- it was Arkansas's biggest crowd they've ever had there. They had people out in tents like we did for the Kentucky game. I mean, it was uh, it was a great environment. Um, but I think it was impressive that we still – our two losses on the season, double overtime, overtime. So still haven't lost in regulation. Um, but – you know, we never deserved to win that game. We shot 8 of 17 from free throw line and then had 19 turnovers. So, you know, if you didn't have that, I think they win. But, um, yeah, A&M was a great bounce back at home, great crowd. And I tell you what, Walker Kessler, I mean, he's turning in. He's got to be the best player on this team right now. I know you you got Jabari Smith, who's projected to be, you know, top three pick. He's just incredible talent. Um, you got Wendell Green off the bench, Zepp Jasper, who's probably one of the best defensive guards in the SEC, Katie Johnson, who, I tell you what, he almost looks like he'll run through somebody. You, you should throw him on the football field. I mean, he, he's, he's no quit. He's got a great, he's a great motivation for the team. Um, but I tell you what, I got some stats for Kessler here. So, so the team total, we had 14 blocks yesterday. So we're now number one in the country with 211 blocks on the season. Uh, so, and then, and it's the most in school history for Auburn and then Kessler, he had 11 blocks. So <laughs> he had a triple double, 11 blocks. What was it? 12 rebounds. And how many points did he have with like 11 or 12? 12 points. Like yeah. that. So, so he's eight blocks away from the school record, which was set in 2003 by Kyle Davis, which he'll get he's, probably. Oh, easily. Yeah, he'll probably <laughs> yeah. get the next game. Um, He's 70 blocks behind the 186-block mark, which was set by Anthony Davis in 2012. And if he was to pass that, he'd be number one in SEC history. And then he would be top four for most in a season in NCAA history. So here's another one. I mean, this dude is just, it's incredible. He's the first in the NCAA triple-doubles this season with two at the conference record for second most triple-doubles in a career behind Shaq, one of the greatest, you know, big men of all time. He only now Kessler accomplished this in 24 games, and every other player on the list did it in 72. Wow! <laughs> um, and so, and you know, he transferred from North Carolina. So if you let's put in the picture uh, North Carolina's paint protection, how they've been. So North Carolina as a team has 95 blocks, and Kessler has blocked more shots than his entire former team. So wow. it's incredible what this dude has done because North Carolina, he was a freshman last year. I don't think he really played much, you know, just wasn't a good fit. But coming to Auburn, I mean, it is incredible. And the amazing thing is he really blocks all these shots with his left hand, and his timing is impeccable. It's amazing to watch him play. And not only with the blocks, but when you have a guy like this and you're driving to the paint, it's going to alter shots. Even if he's not blocking them, people are they're thinking in the back of their head, like, oh, crap, I don't want this guy swatting away my shot. So it's altering shots. I mean, it's he's – Without him, I mean, I could say this about a lot of guys on the Auburn team. Without one person, they wouldn't be this. But Kessler, I mean, he's the center of this team, and he's played fantastic the past three weeks. Really, well, Alabama had a strong week as well in basketball, putting up 97 and a win over Ole Miss on Wednesday and outlasting Arkansas 68-67 to on Saturday. Though the Tide did uh, blow a 13-point lead, they still had on, held on to win. Uh, J.D. Davidson had 11 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds, but 6 huge turnovers. And Shackelford had 10 points, 5 rebounds, 5 turnovers. 
Bama's now back to 500 in league play. Uh, this week, Alabama will host Mississippi State on Wednesday before traveling to number 5 Kentucky on Saturday, and Auburn will host Vandy Wednesday and travel to Florida Saturday. I'm interested to see how this Alabama team finishes out the year because I think they're going to be one of these teams that are going to be hit and miss, but once they get into the playoffs, the tournament, nobody's going to want to face them because they could knock off somebody they're not supposed to. Yeah, definitely. I, I knew Arkansas, once they put all their – uh, chips on the table against for that Auburn game. There's no way they'd beat Alabama, uh, especially going on the road. But Arkansas played a lot closer than I thought. They really had a chance to win. They had some silly shots down the end. But, yeah, Alabama had a good bounce-back week. You know, it's going to be another tough week. Um, you never know. Mississippi State's been, you know, pretty solid. And then, of course, traveling to Kentucky, that's always tough. But, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know really what to expect from this Alabama team. One week they're losing two games. Next week they're winning two. I mean, it's – you know, it's they haven't really got that rhythm. Maybe these two in a row, they'll find some rhythm. But, yeah, like I said, they're two guards they have. Quinterly and um, Shackleford, you know, are two, two of the best guards in the country. Um, and, you know, I didn't yesterday they didn't have to do much because, really, their defense played well. But, see, you know, sometimes with their defense, I, th- I feel like the defense is playing better, but can they be consistent with it? So, if they can get their defense up, I think they can, you know, make a decent run. But, um, still a lot of basketball left, and I think if maybe this can build some momentum for them. Well, finally, Alabama got off to a rocking 3-0 start in their softball season this weekend at the uh, Caldria Classic, beating Southern Utah 11-0 Friday and winning two more Saturday, 5-1, 5-1 over Oregon State and 11-0 over number 9 Arizona. So we'll keep an eye on the tide as they continue throughout the year. But first, Justin, we have to go into – our favorite weird news segment, Miss Managers. Mm. And now it is time for Miss Managers. The headline of this article by Mashable is, Oh no, construction workers find a bunch of teeth inside a wall. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's horrifying. Wait, what? Student says she gave cookies containing grandfather's ashes to classmates. Why would you <laughs> ever tell someone that? Angry Seal helps Australian police bust drug smuggling ring. <laughs> All right, Justin, I've got three stories for us as always today. This first one comes right. from Coast to Coast AM. A Russian man's new job as a security guard in an art museum took a bizarre turn when, on his first day at work, he grew bored and decided to draw eyes on a $1 million painting. Oh, yeah, that's always a good idea. Smart. <laughs> the shocking act of vandalism was reported, uh, reportedly first noticed back in early December when a pair of patrons visiting the Yeltsin Center in the city of Yekaterinburg noticed something amiss when artist uh, Anna Leperiskaya's piece, I'm sorry for butchering that, three figures. Uh, she's not going to know. She's not listening to this, is she? No. Uh, maybe she is so. When museum officials were alerted to the issue, they were aghast to discover that someone had used a ballpoint pen to add eyes to two of the heads in the nearly century-old painting. Oh, yeah, she's not listening to this. <laughs> no. Yeah, she's gone. <laughs> so, it's just like these blank faces that have been painted, and he just took a ballpoint pen and just drew cartoon eyes on them. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> Luckily, they were able to uh, to fix it up. The damage wasn't... They were able to repair uh, it, so that's gosh. good. So, what happened to him? Uh, he's waiting to find out if he's going to face charges, but he's going to, right? He's, he's going to face charges. <laughs> I mean, I would think at yeah. this point. 
Uh, this next story comes from UPI. The Idaho Potato Commission announced it is celebrating Valentine's Day and the state's signature crop with a limited edition product, potato perfume. Ugh. Look, I think they're taking it a little too far at this point. Uh, it is designed to smell like a fresh plate of french fries. Do you want to smell like french fries? Uh, not really, because french fries can be greasy sometimes, and I don't think they're I really all, want yeah, to smell They always are. <laughs> That's yeah. their whole thing. <laughs> so I don't know. Hmm. No, I don't. I don't want that. What is your go-to scent, though? What, do you, what is your What is your cologne scent or male perfume scent? Um... It's like a Bath and Body Works. It's uh, bourbon's my favorite. I like a good bourbon smell. Mm. Well, now you can smell like bourbon and French fries. <laughs> the saddest man <laughs> in the world. Couldn't think of a better com- yeah. <laughs> uh, combination. Uh, this last story comes from the AP. The mayor of an upscale city outside Cleveland is making headlines again for a remark at a recent city council meeting that allowed ice fishing shanties on a city lake could lead to prostitution. What? <laughs> We don't we don't get political on this show, Justin. But I do want this is a, a political matter. Do you think that ice fishing can lead to prostitution? I'm trying to figure out what <laughs> if, you know. Put yourself in a prostitute's shoes. Um, who is standing out in freezing cold weather, um, waiting for an ice fisherman to come by and say, "Hey, look, if you if you're interested, I'll be over here. Just just let me know." I don't know where this came from. So I don't know. I don't know who this guy is or or what. But apparently, he just didn't want. I think he just didn't want ice fishing to happen, and so he was just throwing out points of why it could. And he said, uh, "Prostitution, prostitution, yeah. prostitution." <laughs> he said, "If you then allow ice fishing with shanties, then that leads to another problem: prostitution." That's the quote. That's it. Where, people, where was people, this at? Where is this, this at? In Cleveland. Oh my gosh. People ask, they're like, "Can you elaborate?" No, he wouldn't. <laughs> he just didn't. He just left it at that. That doesn't. I mean, that's the most random thing to say. He just well, the first thing that popped into his mind. He's like, maybe it'll stick. I don't know. Maybe some people out there will be like, oh yeah, that's right. I don't want my husband ice fishing. No. All right, Justin, we're up against a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk with former Tide and Steelers player Anthony Madison to learn about what it's like to play in a Super Bowl. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Game Managers. We're here with former Alabama Crimson Tide player and Super Bowl champion defensive back, Anthony Madison. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're uh, glad to have you on because uh, this episode, Justin and I are trying to understand kind of the magnitude of playing in a Super Bowl and something that we're obviously too too nerdy, too scrawny to have ever experienced. But lucky for us, you played in two, so you can uh you you played enough for the both of us. So we're in luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm uh, uh very fortunate, bro, to have played in Super Bowl forty three and forty five. Uh, forty three, we we were fortunate enough to win. Um, uh, Antonio Holmes made a great catch in the back of the end zone. Then uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger made a great throw, um, and uh, we made just enough plays to. To edge out that win against the Cardinals, unfortunately, in Super Bowl 45, Aaron Rodgers performed open heart surgery on our defense, <laughs> and so uh, we we came up a little bit short. But uh, a good friend of mine, actually the best man in my wedding, um, 
he, uh, you know, he was playing on the other side, Charlie Papra, the safety. He was a starting safety for Green Bay at that time. And, um, you know, I was sad that we didn't win, but I was happy for him. You had a very impressive career, and I'll get into that just very quickly before we kind of start asking you about your time in the Super Bowl. But both of those Super Bowl seasons, during your time with those teams, you led special teams in tackles, um, which is, that's no easy feat. But, um... That's not all you did. Of course, you played at Alabama. Uh, you put up 140 tackles and five picks, earned all bowl team honors in 2005, an honorable mention all SEC the same year. And uh, in the pros, you signed as an undrafted free agent with the Steelers, no six. And of course, you ended up, like you said, winning Super Bowl 43 against the Cardinals, 27 to 23, in what was one of the most entertaining Super Bowls probably of all time. But you also got to spend some time there with the Browns the Bucks, the Colts, the Lions, and eventually retired in the offseason of 2012. So now that that's been 10 years since you retired, what, is, what does life look like for Anthony Madison these days? Oh, yeah. You just you just made me tired, man. Uh, <laughs> just going through that list of teams that I played for. I had several cups of coffee, you know, on various NFL teams. But, uh, but yeah, uh, now I'm, I'm very blessed, brother. I'm I now reside in uh, Irvine, California. I've got three kids. Um, I got my wife. She, uh, we have one on the way, right? Uh, age six, four, and two. Um, and so, um, yeah, I live out here in California. I'm, I'm with the kids and uh, just taking care of the family and uh, just in, enjoying um, posting a film. Congratulations on the family and having one on the way. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's really great. Thank um, you. I guess my first kind of question for you is how difficult was that transition from college to the pros and how is that different, you know, playing for an NFL team as opposed to a college like Alabama? Ooh, ooh from college to the pros, that transition. You know, playing at Alabama, you know, um, you're going up against some of the best players um, in college football, you know, every Saturday. And so when it came down to talent, um, that transition, uh, it wasn't too much of a difference, right? The speed of the game in the SEC is very fast. It's extremely physical. And so when I came into training camp, uh, going up against those wide receivers, um, there really wasn't that much of a difference. I think the biggest transition from on-field perspective was just the attention to detail. And, and, and it's and like I said, now you're you're playing for your livelihood, right? This is how you put food on the table, right? And so um, the pressure um, is a little bit more uh, heavier, you know, for that reason. Yeah, no, and I yeah, I imagine that would be kind of almost overwhelming, uh, I guess, at the beginning, and then, but like you said, I think if any, I guess if any conference in the college can prepare you for that element, it would be the SEC. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. I I, I I believe that. I mean, it, it was because, you know, during that time I was going up against guys like Mike Clayton, Michael Clayton, you know, um, you know, in practice you had guys like Triandis Luke and, uh, you know, other guys. Tyron Protho, when he was in his prime, you know, he I, I feel very strongly that he could have played 10 years in the NFL if he didn't have that unfortunate injury. Uh, so... Um, you know, every Saturday you were going up against big, tall, physical wide receivers, and then when you get to the pros, you're facing the same thing, right? So, yeah, 
it definitely it definitely prepared me for that next level. Well, that that 2008 season, the one that uh, ended with a Super Bowl win, that has to be one of my favorite I've witnessed. But what kind of was the tone of that locker room at the beginning of the season, and does that tone uh, shift once reaching the playoffs? You know, it, you know, there was something special about that team that year because, for one, uh, if you go back and look at, um, I don't know, any of the archives, like you'll see that, excuse me, that uh, that I believe it was the same year that we lost. Um, I think Big Ben was out for like four weeks or so, and so uh, we had guys like Charlie Batch and um, I think Byron Leftwich. You know, we had a couple of guys have to step in and and play quarterback, and we were still able to win some games. Um, and also, we had some great defensive players, man. I mean, we had James Harrison. I think that year he won uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and uh, Troy Palomalu was at the top of his game. You had interior linemen like Casey Hampton. And um, just just, a, just a, a lot of great players, man. Lamar Woodley, uh, just a lot of players in their prime. Right. And so um, I was very fortunate to just be a part of a team that had great players, but also guys who knew what it meant to be a good teammate. Right. So we had had great camaraderie. Right. We spent a lot of time with one another outside of the game of football. Right. And so um, even during training camp, I'll take even even further back in training camp. That was just such a great uh, competitive environment, right? Uh, guys was competing as if uh, everybody had to make the team, although there were certain guys that were core guys that was doing, that would be on the roster regardless. But you would think that everybody's competing to make the roster, right? And so it was just something about that enthusiasm in a training camp. I really felt like it propelled us and pushed us uh, forward, uh, for the season, man. And when I look back at it, you know, it was really a special year. So after y'all beat the Ravens, you know, in the AFC Championship, so how long did it take to set in that you're going to be competing in a Super Bowl? Oh, man. Oh, it was, uh, you know, it, you know, you know, I would say, I'll, I'll say this, that, you know, when, after winning that game, you know, I, um, you know, I just remember thinking, wow, you know, this this is amazing. Like, I, I mean, this is actually going to happen. And even once we won the Super Bowl, I still feel like that was probably, for me, the best feeling. It's the fact that you're going, right? No one knows if they're going to win or not when they get there, but you know you're going, right? And so the fact that I knew I was going to be going to the Super Bowl, um, Man, that feeling was, uh, you know, it's, I can't even put it in words, brother, because we're talking about years of hard work ever since I was 10 years old uh, in small town, Thomasville, Alabama, uh, dreaming of uh, one day playing at Alabama and, and hopefully having a shot to play in the NFL. Um, I mean, it, it all just, all of those emotions just kind of came together in the AFC North championship game. And so... Um, there's really no words to describe that, bro. It, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a dream. It was a dream come true. You've mentioned kind of this, this kind of almost overwhelming feeling, just this, the surrounding the Super Bowl. But what was that feeling when you just walked out onto the field and you were like, 
I'm I'm here. This is it. Oh man, uh, when we took the field at Tampa, um, you know, um, I think you know for me the feeling really was um, again, you know, I think one of you, you know, um, really hit it on the head. I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's just a, a combination of all of the hard work that you put into it. And um, and just seeing the fruits of your labor, you know. And so, um, for me personally, bro, like when I took the field, man, um, I always felt like I was going to be the hardest working guy out there. I prepared in practice. I prepared in the film room so that when I got into the game, and I can I can even say this for most of all my teammates, is that when we got to the game, we felt like, hey, we put in the work and we're ready to play. Taking that field, bro, was, was really just a reminder of just like, man, hard work really does pay off like uh you can come in as an undrafted free agent and um and you can you know get cut released a couple of times but if you stick to it uh just make sure that you are prepared and ready for the moment right and i think we can all say that for any profession right like just be prepared for that moment and i felt like that was not that's not only my story but that's the story of that 2008 2009 Steeler team so that 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 uh, Super Bowl forty three, what is your favorite moment from that game? Do you have one just off the top of your head? Ah, oh, my favorite moment of that game. I mean, I mean, my gosh, bro. I mean, I mean, you said it best, bro. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the greatest Super Bowls in history. I mean, some would say it's some would say it was it was tops, right? So, I mean, there were a lot of plays made, bro, during that game. I mean, we could go back to half, right before halftime, James Harrison returns that, that interception for 99 to 100 yards and all the shade towns and all those guys blocking out front for him, leading the way, Ryan Clark, the whole crew. Or I could obviously point to where Santonio Holmes made the catch and we won the game. But I think for me, um, the greatest – moment was when the game was over and then I could say that I'm a Super Bowl champion right that's that's the greatest moment right is when the game was finally over and then I was able to say okay this is it man we're we're, we're etched in stone this is it this is forever right we're Super Bowl champions our names are going to be on that Lombardi trophy and um that that was the greatest moment for me Man, you're getting me excited just from your excitement. I, I need to go watch this game again after this. <laughs> hey, bro, go watch it, man. I'm sitting, you know, I was I got some buddies of mine out in California. They're always, you know, you know, we talk a lot of football and, and whatnot, and you know, and and they recently watched the 2000 um, the 2008 season, and they watched the Super Bowl, and so I watched it. I'm sitting in my um, in my kitchen, and I've got the little you know the little echo you know um, thing right there in the kitchen, and so I'm able to watch. YouTube and so they had 2008, you know, 2009 Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers versus Arizona Cardinals, and I watched the entire game, man. And this just happened maybe two weeks ago. <laughs> and when I tell you, bro, <laughs> that game was just packed with excitement. I don't know if you remember when freaking um, who was that? Uh, Larry Fitzgerald caught that slant right in the fourth quarter. And then went like sixty yards. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. That was the game. Remember that one? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm serious, man. If you find time, YouTube it. 
man, grab you, you know, some some popcorn, some food, right? Your favorite beverage, and go watch that game, man. You'll you'll you'll, you'll enjoy it. I know I will. Uh, here's here's. <laughs> Here's my my main question for you. This is one that I've I've just always wondered after a Super Bowl win. How long do you celebrate winning? Because I don't think I would have ever stopped. I'd I'd probably still be partying to this day. <laughs> no, I'm still celebrating, bro. <laughs> like, I'm still celebrating. I mean, I'm still celebrating. Um, you know, every single time I put on that ring and I leave the house, right? Um, you know, it's a reminder, right, that, hey, we won the Super Bowl. And people ask me, why do you wear, why do you always wear that ring? I said, if I put it in a case, man, it's just going to collect ducks. I said, I'm not trying to put this thing in the bank and let it and let it sit in a stable. No, I'm going to wear it, right? So every time I see it, you know, I have the feeling of, quote, unquote, celebration, right? And so I, I, I haven't stopped yet, bro. I, I'm, I'm still enjoying it. Well, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> so, uh, Anthony, when you reached the Super Bowl for a second time with the Steelers when y'all played the Packers, uh, was that experience any different, and uh, was there more or less pressure? Oh, you know, at that point, I'd become a veteran. What can I say? You know, two times in. <laughs> no, no. I mean, um, no, I mean, you, you don't take it for granted. You don't take it for granted because – it's very difficult to get there. And again, man, I was just a part of a really good team, man. I was very blessed, man. I thank the Lord to this day that he that, that I chose to go to Pittsburgh um, as a priority free agent as opposed to those other five or six teams that had offered me a contract to come to, come to training camp. And so I'm just glad that I chose Pittsburgh, bro. Obviously, it's... You know, you're on a very short list of people who have played in a Super Bowl, but that list is even shorter of people who have, you know, competed in two Super Bowls. And you've kind of, you know, had that experience of coming out on top and then, you know, coming out a little short. How di- how difficult kind of is that when when you know you don't win that game? Um, and does it change does it change the way you look back on still just an incredibly successful season? You know, I think had we not won. Super Bowl 43, and we lost that one, I would have been mad, and I would still be mad today, right? But but I think because we had already won, man, and then to lose to one of my good friends, um, for me, I was, I walked away from it thinking, okay, man, we gave it our best shot, man, the best team won, right? And so, um, for me, I just kind of dusted off and just moved forward. So look, looking back now, you're you're a decade out of the league. You've 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 established your family. You're in a, a much warmer location than where you played a lot of ball. <laughs> so looking back at just everything, how do you think your experience in the NFL kind of shaped you into the man you are now? Oh, bro, um, you know, funny funny thing you you asked this question. Uh, one of my high school coaches, my high school coach, Stacy Luker out of Sweetwater, who is one of the greatest coaches um, in Alabama high school history right um he sent this article he emailed he's not emailed it but he sent it via a mail and uh and it was um basically talking about the uh they were a write-up about me being in the super bowl and he just added some some words here and there and uh one of the things i appreciate reading was just seeing the journey right i uh, just seeing um you know as you was reading off you know the teams that i played for 
you know, uh, the setbacks, right? There was a lot of setbacks. There was a, plenty of opportunities to just to just throw in the towel and say, man, I'm done. Like, I'm tired, man. Uh, maybe maybe I'm not cut out for this, right? But somehow, by the grace of God, man, um, I, I, it was in the Lord's will for me to to be in the NFL at 5'9", 180 pounds and to carve out a, a, a nice little career. Um, and I feel like now... As I have settled in California uh, with wife, three kids, one of the way, um, it's just a reminder that when I speak to my kids, I tell them that you can do anything you set your mind to, right? Um, and I, I say that because I lived it. I know what that looks like. I know what it, I know what it feels like to fail. I know what it feels like for for pundits and so-called experts and and others you and say that you're not uh, big enough you're not strong enough you're not fast enough you're not good enough to compete at the highest level uh and then to be able to go out there and overcome those odds um is something that um i can instill and impart in my children and also in other young people so um it's the journey bro you know that journey was just it was a beautiful thing man it wasn't always easy but it's definitely helped shape me uh into the father that I am today, so I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. Oh man, that that is awesome, and that's great to hear, and uh, and we appreciate you kind of sharing your story with us because I know I know you're busy, like you said, you've got you've got a lot of kids uh, at the park right now. <laughs> uh, but before we go, I should let you know, uh, Anthony, that just as a courtesy, we always let our Super Bowl winning guests uh, try to you know make up for the fact that we allow you to be on a small market radio station in Alabama by. You know, giving us your Super Bowl ring if you if you feel like it. You can ship that over. I can give you my address, and we can consider ourselves <laughs> clear. You know what? Maybe if I had two, I'd send you one. But I only have one, so I can't. <laughs> well, that's fair enough, I guess. Well, Anthony, it's been a, a serious joy speaking with you. I, I really appreciate your time. I had a lot of fun uh, talking to you today, and yeah, I, I hope awesome. we'll be in touch again in the future. Fine, bro. I want to say one other thing. Go for I it. Say one other thing real quick, bro. Uh, I'm going out on a limb right now. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to win this game. Okay. I think I agree with you on that one, too. Putting it out there. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to bring it home, man. All right. Speaking it into the universe. Joe Burrow, <laughs> that, that moxie, man, and that, that combination with his old uh, college teammate. And there, there's some magic going on over there at Cincy, so. <laughs> yeah. well, I like it. I like the confidence. That's all. <laughs> well, all right, Anthony. I really appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Hi, brother. Yeah, man, take care. All right, Justin. Well, we just learned a lot about the Super Bowl from Anthony Madison, but I would like to know a little more. And what better way to learn than by visiting your learning corner? It's time for Professor Knight. All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the learning corner with Professor Knight. What are we learning today, Professor? All right, welcome to my learning segment. Hey, friends, and maybe some family out there. Um, today, it's the Super Bowl. We all know it. So why not we learn a little bit about the Super Bowl? Huh, Nick, are you interested? Do you want to learn no. about the Super Bowl? No, can we no? Skip okay, this? fine. Hey, let's go on to the next segment. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Let's go. Let's learn okay. about it. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, today is Super Bowl 56, as we know. So this is the eighth Super Bowl that is played in Los Angeles. Uh as we know, the first Super Bowl was also, it was played in Los Angeles. It was um, it was the Packers versus the Chiefs, if I'm correct. Um, Packers ended up winning that game. Right? It was the Packers and Chiefs, correct? 
Yeah, that's what we talked about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. That's what I thought. So the cheapest ticket for the Super Bowl, you want to guess what the cheapest ticket is? Uh, was it one mule? Did you just give a mule in advance? Did you, well, did I'm you talking trade? about right was now. It? Oh, right now. <laughs> the, right yeah, now, trade in, a mule. <laughs> right now, in terms of mules, it'd be at least six thousand mules. I'm gonna say it's. I'm gonna say it's six grand. You're you're, you're pretty close. So six thousand six hundred is the cheapest ticket. Oof. So the most expensive. You want to guess about the most expensive could go up? Oh God, forty grand. I guess one hundred and four thousand. Oh, my, I thought forty grand was too high. I thought I was going to be above it. A hundred. No. Oh my goodness. Hundred. Yeah. Imagine spending what some people are lucky enough to make in a year. Say you're lucky enough to make a hundred thousand. You just spend it on one ticket for one game. <laughs> that you're there for what four or five hours. Now, what is that? that? Do you know what that seat gets you? I'm guessing it's a box seat. Mm. I would think that's like a sweet box seat. Yeah. Gotta be. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if we go back to Super Bowl one. So if me and you wanted to go, we could just pay six bucks. And like we said, the game wasn't even sellout. There's 30,000 seats open. We could have paid six bucks for a Super Bowl ticket. How nice would that have been, huh? That'd be nice. That'd be very nice. That's like it. And back oh. then, too, I think, didn't we say that and this is all information from our other show, Ranked, the most iconic years in sports history, if you'd like to check that out. But uh, I believe that we found out that the minimum wage there then was like forty. So that's... It that was. You can, Work one day and you go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Basically. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah. Um, so let's go to Super Bowl when the Vikings and Dolphins squared off in 1974. So it was, the fir- it was the final NFL game where the goalposts were located in the front of the end zone on the goal line. And, of course, the posts have been back line ever since. That, that was, so that was the last Super Bowl, 1974. As we all recall, uh, the uh, goalposts were in the front. I don't. Do you ever know what the reasoning was to have the goalpost in the front? I guess that would make it an even. Wherever you're kicking it from, that would have make it an even yardage. So if you're kicking it yeah. from the 30, it's a 30. But that sounds incredibly dangerous. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's plenty of highlights of people just going straight into the goalpost. Yeah, that have to be. Yeah. So, okay, here's a fact about the Lombardi Trophy. So it weighs 7 pounds, not as heavy as I thought. And you want to know how much it cost? How much? 50000 so is that how much hands. it costs to make it, or is that how much? Because I imagine it's worth more than that. Yeah, I think that's how much it costs to make. So okay, uh, I mean that's fifty thousand to make a trophy that you give away. I mean, whew, that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty expensive. Um, let's see. This year's matchup is another fact for you. Is the first pair, uh, matchup between two number four seeds. So that's never happened before. Oh, that's interesting. Um. So the 1948 Rams, they became the first NFL franchise to add an insignia on each side of the helmet when the familiar pair of Ram horns were first featured. So they were the first team to put an insignia on their helmets in 1948. How about that? That's very, that's early, too, to do that because 48. Yeah, I was about to say 1948, yeah, because yeah, really, I mean, the helmet was still kind of a, I mean, you'd probably say it's still a work in progress. Oh, yeah. not. I don't for even sure. think it was mandatory then for any NFL players to wear helmets. No. It could be wrong. I can look that well, up. Well, yeah, I mean, 1948, you're probably getting more into safety of the game because I know a lot of the safety was talked when Teddy Roosevelt was president and people were literally dying on the field during games. It looks like um, mid-1940s is when leather helmets were finally required in the NFL. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so that's... I remember, because I've read about this too, that when this first happened, 
players were irate. They're like, I'm not wearing a helmet. I'm not a sissy or whatever, but just wear it. <laughs> just, know, it's going to help you really out. really want to die? Let's yeah, do it. Let's do it. All right, so yeah. we also know Super Bowl. You know, it's big for commercials. I feel like it's not as big now. I feel like commercials were a big deal, but it's kind of dropped off a little bit. They're not as good as they used to be. But if you want a 30-second TV spot for this year's game, how much do you think you need to pay if you're a company? You want a 30-second spot. Um, five million. No, oh, not bad. It's how about seven million? Phew. So that's up from five point five million for a thirty-second commercial from last year. So already more expensive. So um, wow. Bush, they've they've bought four minutes. Uh, and most commercials, you know, focus on automobiles, travel, technology. Uh, and then one more fact to have for you. So. The Super Bowl winning team, so all members, you get 150000 for the victory this year. And then the loser, the losers receives, you still get 75000 for even losing. And then you add to those amounts for previous playoff wins that each player receives. So you get 65000 for a conference championship, 42500 for divisional and wild card. So that's, per, I didn't know losing team, you still receive money. I guess you still just get it for even making it to the Super Bowl. So I thought that was pretty interesting, too. Yeah, I, I knew that you got a bonus. Um, that's kind of funny, though, that if you lose it, you still don't make enough to get the best seat in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I know, that's, that's insane. Yeah. But uh, uh, one other interesting thing. So Lawrence Taylor, he actually sold one of his Super Bowl rings. You want, you want to guess how much he sold it for? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I guess it depends on how hard he, out he was for cash. <laughs> how much he would have yeah. sold it for. How much did he? 230000 Wow. For one of his Super Bowl rings. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't really know much about the guy, but I guess if you're selling a Super Bowl ring, that means you need some money. So, Or he's but just I, like, I don't need this. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, well, who cares? I'm just going to give it. Maybe he, maybe something went to charity. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's some yeah. facts for our Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl 56. Um, it's I think it's going to be a great game. we got two really – you know, got two young coaches. you got one team that's – you know, they've – acquired a lot of talent from trades big names Aaron Donald Von Miller you got Stafford and then you got a young team in the Bengals Burrow uh, Mixon uh, Jamar Chase T Higgins so I think it's going to be a great game and I hope y'all learned a little something about the Super Bowl well thank you Professor Knight we're going to go to a break but when we come back it's time for the sporting world's most prestigious weekly award show the TG Emmys we'll be right back Ah. Welcome, everyone, to the Game Manager's most prestigious weekly award show, the TG Emmys, where athletes around the world are blessed just to even receive a mention in this segment. Retired Tom Brady just has his little his little fingers crossed right now during the Super Bowl. He just flipped it off. He hopes that we're going to give him a shout-out. Maybe we will. Yeah, we could. If you do not mind, Justin, I will take the honors of giving out our first award. Okay. This one is going to go to the most humiliating fan base. This award award goes to the Detroit Lions, who uh, have adopted the new name, the Detroit Rams. Have you heard about this? You know, I actually saw some of their gear, you know, and uh, (laughs) they so want to be associated with the Super Bowl in any way, and this is the closest (laughs) they'll ever get. So apparently at least one sporting goods store in Detroit is selling Detroit Rams merch. 
essentially living vicariously through Matt Stafford in this year's Super Bowl. It, it's atrocious looking. It's like the lion with the ram horns on it. It looks so dumb. <laughs> I hate it. Also, what you're going to buy this? You're going to wear it ever again after today? Yeah, Surely see, it not. was like the, um, it was uh, when Alabama had the organ stuff and they, what did they change it? Uh, whatever it was, they changed their gear to, because they really wanted Auburn to lose. Yeah, in yeah, 2010. Like yeah, they yeah. had, I, I remember those. It was the Alabama A, but in the Oregon colors. Ah, I hated that's what that. it was. Yep. Yeah. Ugh, yuck. Well, Justin, would you like to uh, tell us your award for the week? Oh, yes. Actually, go with another word because I just blanked on mine. So just one second. <laughs> complete, I had it. It was perfect. I just completely blanked. No worries. So go with no another worries. award. All right. How about the high school players of the week? Uh, this week, they go to Dora High School's Devin Taylor and Jonathan Foster, who both won the Class 1 through 4A North Super Section Championship and top seed to the ASA State Tournament in wrestling. So congrats, yeah, guys. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Do I need to continue? Oh, no, I got it. Okay. So um, I was going to give one to a guy, you know. Um, he was, of course, with Auburn for a long time. But uh, I'm going to give the um, I'm very happy to not be at Auburn and everybody else's award to Gus Malzahn, who is at UCF. And he was asked about the Auburn situation, and he said, I'm just glad I'm at UCF. And he, buddy, everybody else is. So congratulations. <laughs> I hope you're really enjoying UCF. Uh, he was a nice guy, but he was never – going to be he never had that attitude or personality of you know i really want to win here so i think ucf's a perfect place for him yeah good on him boosters liked him though because he did whatever they said probably that's good on yeah he's yeah yeah, he probably you know i'll I'll just end it there he probably is just relieved (laughs) though that none of this is about him because i think ucf's a a very good fit for his personality yeah yeah because he can I would they have like eight wins last year, and I think they were still happy about that, even though they had seasons before of going undefeated or winning double-digit games. So, yeah, perfect perfect spot for them. Well, that brings us to our Best of the Week award, and this came in the Winter Olympics. Team USA's Chloe Kim won the snowboard halfpipe on February 10th, making her the first woman to win back-to-back Olympic golds in the event. That's awesome. Nice, yeah. And finally, our bust of the week, which is just the opposite of best of the week. I mean, it's it's Alvin Kamara, right? It goes to him by a mile. <laughs> I would say so easily. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he might have threw his whole life and career away. So, uh, I mean, congratulations hey, pr- to Alvin Kamara. The prison team's looking really good right now. You got Kamara, Ruggs. Uh, who else is going to be on that team? That was just. Um, I mean, there's probably going to have some talent on that team. It's gonna. I can't wait to see who the. Uh, who the team captains are and who all they pick first. Mm, I don't know. They may just beat each other up. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go to our email of the week. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, gamemanagerspod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGMPod. This one comes from Eric. Hello, Eric. Hey, Eric. He asks that now that football ends today, what do you both plan on doing in the off season? Good question. Uh, you go ahead and answer. Uh, this is when I kind of enjoy the off season because this is when I catch up on everything I haven't been able to do <laughs> during football season. So like all my TV shows, any movies I missed, video games. I get more into video games. I'll play some like single player campaign stuff. I need to I need to finish up uh, Spider Man Miles Morales. So I'll do that. I still have yet to play that Spider Man, the first Spider Man game. Yeah. Um, it's still wrapped. It's like I haven't even opened it. 
I'll tell you what I've been doing lately. I've been playing Rock Band and Guitar Hero a lot. <laughs> Those <laughs> yeah. are great. Those are really good games. They were uh, good. You know, it, yeah. I really um, that you play on the Wii. That was pretty neat. Yeah. What about you? What you got going on this off season? Oh, I tell you what, sports never ends. It's football ends, but it's on to basketball and then golf and baseball. It's it's twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a year. It's nonstop. There's no rest. I got to be. It's got to have some kind of sport going on. Hmm. So right now we've got Auburn basketball ball starting this coming week. Um, so I'll be checking them out. I think they're supposed to have a pretty decent team. Um, Kansas City Royals. I'm really excited for the season. I don't know if they're going to start on time because. MLB's in a lockout right now, but I always love watching the Royals play. And um, and then golf, I've uh, been watching the Phoenix Open. I uh, actually told Nick to check it out because he's not a big golf guy, but probably the best environment all year you're going to see is at the um, Phoenix Open. Is They have these huge grandstands on the par 316th, and it is insane. Someone hit a hole in one yesterday, and they started throwing beer cans all over the hole. It, it was nuts. Um, so if you don't know anything about golf and you want to check out a cool environment, uh, watch this tournament. I don't know if it'll be the same today because you got the Super Bowl and everything, but um, it's really neat. But yeah, it's I'm just I'm going into a new sport. It's always something going on, even when in the off season. I hope we see more of that in golf because, I mean, golf I can't imagine does very well viewership wise. But if you make it exciting like that, and I know I don't want to like ruin the tradition of the game, but like every every few whatever tournaments or what have you just throw that yeah, in there I think, I think that's a good I idea think, yeah especially when it's because it's not a major that they're playing it's just a normal it's just a regular tournament they're having this week because um, ma- your majors are going to get good viewership like the masters it's always going to do well in viewership the u.s open the open the p really does the worst but i think the pga championship major wise i think is the trying to get a more environment of kind of like that rowdiness like they do at this tournament um so, yeah, I think they should have tournaments like this throughout the year where you have these huge grandstands at one hole. People are just rowdy. They're loud. They don't have to be quiet. And I, th- I think the players like uh, I would say all the players really like it too because it's a really neat environment. Um, so, yeah, yeah I think it seemed like they were having a great time. It looked like they were Oh, yeah, it, it, it's so. very laid back. It's not like your normal – because golf is a very um, – it's old, it, you know, it's a sport that's been around for a long time. It's a bit uptight. Um, yeah. yeah, it's – prestigious you know when you think about it you think money usually you're going to have a lot of money you're going to be part of a country club um so i think you know it's good with this because you get more people involved in watching and then hopefully they're getting more people involved maybe it'll make them want to go and play golf i don't know because a lot of those guys out there are just like hey i'm gonna drink have a great time i don't really care what's happening (laughs) um so maybe get some excited to play yeah sure all right well i think that brings us to the end of the show uh, if you would like to reach the show, just like Eric did, thank you for your email, gamemanagerspod at gmail.com. You can also find us at TGM Pod on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And uh, don't forget to check out our website where you can find our merch, everything else, at thegamemanagers.com. It's just thegamemanagers.com. Uh, I think that wraps it up, Justin. I think so, yeah. Hey, we really appreciate y'all for sending in your emails. Thank you, Eric, once again. It's a great question. And, hey, hope you all have had a great week. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. Um, hope you all have a lot of great food as well. But, hey, thank you all for listening. You all are great. You are best listeners out there. Mm. Unless unless you're not, though. What if they're, what if they're serial killers? Um, 
then you probably shouldn't be listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. You have a, uh, we'll see you next right. week. We're going anyways. Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! Thank you for listening to The Game Managers. Like the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM Pod. Until next week, goodbye, adios, and sayonara.